Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by Zoe Coletti to talk all about her Netflix series, Boo Bitch, which is my new favorite title for a TV show. Once you hear it once, you, you definitely remember it. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. The the first thing that I was actually interested in is, is a lot of your character development in playing Gia in the series, because so much of the show is centered around the core of this friendship that she has with Erica, played by Lana Condor. Mm-hmm. And given how much of your character is, is through that relationship throughout the series, I was interested in what were the facets that you felt like you could really develop in her and, and kind of like build as her core and as her foundation as a character against some of the elements that that really were more about once you and Lana were on set together or once the two of you were connected and talking about your characters together and building that friendship between the two of them. Right, right. Well, you know, for me, an interesting thing about playing Gia, it was one of the first times in my career that um, I was able to play a character that I feel I am like quite similar to in a lot of ways. So that was a fun experience for me, um, kind of even before I had met Lana, um, just kind of reading up on the character, even through my audition process, kind of figuring out what of myself I wanted to bring to Gia, what I wanted to, you know, give to her in general for her character. Um, So it was a really fun process and an interesting one. A lot of like, self-reflecting of like, I don't know, would I do that or would I not do that? Like to figure out what I wanted to bring to her because I feel we have similarities. Um, And talking on that, you know, in regards to the friendship that Gia has with Erica, um, something that I would like to think that I, you know, have a similarity to her with is kind of her loyalty and, you know, her want to, um, you know, put the people that she loves before herself, um, which is a huge theme that you see throughout the show, especially with, um, with Erica. Um, and, you know, it was an interesting thing kind of getting onto set, starting rehearsals with Lana. The connection that you see on screen is like 100% organic. I mean, we were like instantaneous best friends. So, you know, working together to bring that to life and bring that onto the screen was very fluid, very easy. It was like the most fun process ever because we just, we literally became instant best friends. So, um, you know, getting to bring that aspect of myself in as well as how close me and Lana actually were during the filming of the show, uh, it was a smooth ride and it made for a, a lot of fun filming. Which is amazing because you're also playing these these two young women who've been friends for about 10 years. They've known each other the majority of their lives. And yeah. so there's also that element of kind of, they see each other as family, you know, they're closer than even yeah. just friends. They're really sisters to one another. So there's this real shared secret language and even just little details like the friendship necklaces when they kind of like tap them against each other. And that's yeah. something they just know that they're going to do intrinsically. And so how did you and Lana figure out some of those, those really lovely small moments of connectivity that were going to be their secret language with each other? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of like, like you said, there's definitely a lot of like cute little things that they incorporated in their friendship to make it just that they are like, they don't even have to say words to understand what the other is saying, which they do with, you know, the acronyms that they put in the show, which was absolute hell having to memorize all of those letters. I mean, there was some that the two of us had to say that were like, I mean, had to be 20 letters. It's it's absurd. Uh, we'd always be panicking, like, because it would always be, like, in the middle of a scene. So, you know, you'll get the whole scene right, and that line will come in, and you'll be like, oh, God, I'm not going to remember all those letters. Um, but that was definitely hard, but it's a, a total part of the show that I do really like and think comes across really cute and gives such a great picture of, you know, how close they are. They did a really great job writing the show um, and including a lot of those things. Um they kind of decided in the beginning when they wrote in the, ne- the whole like necklace portion of uh, their characters to add the like tapping of the necklaces in throughout. Um, and then we even sometimes just like did that in scenes if it wasn't, you know, a part of the script, just once that kind of became something that the characters did. 
Um, so between their amazing writing, how close we were, you know, in real life, um, and just like, you know, as we got to know the characters throughout the filming, um, we kind of sprinkled in some of those things and it was a very collaborative effort um, to kind of bring their friendship to life. And with the writing as well, there, there's so many little lines of dialogue or details that are in the scripts that just give you a lot more facets of who these characters are. And, yeah. you know, there's there's a moment where your character even just in the middle of a sentence, just very casually throws out, you know, a, having a general anxiety disorder as well. And that's yeah. obviously a huge part of who she is. And so did you find yourself kind of like really combing through a lot of the dialogue and, and finding those little minute things that are just an inflection in the script, but really tell you so much about your character at the end of the day? Oh, 100%. You know, for me, like even in my audition process, that scene that mentions her having like a, in her like anxiety um, was in the scene that I did for my audition. And, and like you said, it's it's such a kind of quick brush over, especially in the way that the dialogue is. It's all very fast paced. It's especially Gia's just has a mouthful of words to say, like at all times during the show. Um, but it is those little lines that give a massive scope of like how to play the character. Um, so they really did a great job giving a lot of like intel on, you know, who she should be. But, you know, uh, I myself definitely, definitely have got, got some anxiety. So uh, that's another area that I think me and Gia can relate a little bit. So, um, you know, seeing that uh, and bringing that to life, I think was a huge part of kind of what I brought to the character. Um, I think she's always a bit jittery and uh, nervous about everything that's going on. So uh, it was a good, some good intel for me, for sure. <laughs> Did a lot of that come into the mannerisms and the characteristics that you wanted to, her to have in terms of, of the way that she moves with just like being a very high energy character and, and kind of like always being ready to throw a million million miles an hour, whether it's talking or whether it's moving around in scenes? A hundred percent. You know, you know, interestingly enough, the kind of description that they had of the character initially um, was that she's kind of like just this like full fledged, just like ball of positive energy, which I absolutely loved and think that that is such a great description of who Gia is. But when I had seen the lines of her kind of being like, oh, I've got anxiety and all this kind of thing, you know, it did make me think that in a way, a lot of that big, bright energy could also come across as like kind of nervous, high energy. And so kind of combining those two things, I, I definitely wanted that to be, you know, a big part of her kind of rambling and talking a million miles a minute and all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought that, you know, added something fun to the character. <laughs> I also love that, that, like you said, she does have this huge, huge energy and, and she has a real charisma and a real persona because often when we see characters that are they're kind of like seen as the, on the outskirts in high school things, it's because they're shy and introverted. And with her, it's really just that she's centrally focusing her energy on, on this, this, this one friendship as opposed yeah. to kind of running around trying to be with everybody. Um, and I really loved that aspect of it. And, and so was that, was that kind of like, something that was helpful in terms of just like figuring out the personality and figuring out a lot of the charisma that then also comes into that friendship that she has with Erica. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, of course the, the aspect of Gia being so focused on her friendship with Erica and wanting Erica to be happy is like the bloodline of the entire show of, you know, how set she is on Erica being okay and being happy and having other friends and stepping out of her shell and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, and honestly, that perspective that you just pointed out is like actually a really cool way to think of it that, you know, instead of kind of running around to all other people, she she isn't a shy person at all, uh, that she does focus all of her time and her energy 
uh, on that one friend, which I really liked because it was it was also kind of similar to how I was like when I was in high school. I wasn't the type of person to have like, you know, a huge group of friends. I'd have my like one or two really close friends that I did everything with, um, you know, and I think there's a lot of times like a pressure in high school to like in order to be cool or to fit in. It's like if you have 30 people sitting with you at the lunch table and, you know, that wasn't necessarily what I did. And that's awesome, too. And that's so much fun. There were times that I went out with big groups as well. Um, but, you know, it's a cool way to show that, you know, if you only have a few super close friends like that stand by you, that that's something really special as well that you should like hold close to your heart and like you're still cool. Oh, if you have like one or two really close best friends, you don't have to worry. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's it's also the thing as well throughout the series where the first few episodes, we're really just seeing your character in that bubble and in that world of that friendship. But then yeah. there is an opportunity later on to, to start drawing her out, you know, when there's a little bit of distance between the two of them and to see who she is without that friendship by her side. Um, and so how did, how did you kind of figure out what that calibration was going to be or, you know, what's it like for her as a character when this foundation is completely ripped away from her and who she's going to be and kind of venturing out and putting herself out there a little bit more with someone? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think so much of the story in that regard is focused on, you know, how Erica perceives things. And a lot of that is from her perspective um, in her kind of letting the friendship crumble. But in terms of Gia's, you know, perspective on the whole situation, I think it really shows how resilient she is. I think it's something that maybe Gia didn't even realize about herself that, you know, I think she has a big dependency on Erica uh, in a way. And I think that being taken away from her and her kind of venturing out, her meeting Gavin, they're all things that I think she always wanted, but maybe because she had Erica, she was kind of comfortable in that and didn't, it didn't kind of as well force her out of her comfort zone to, I don't know, talk to a guy, go to prom, all these kinds of things that she so wanted to do um, that she was kind of pushed off a cliff a little bit when Erica just kind of screwed her over. Um, and I, I think she is a lot more resilient and a lot more confident in those situations than she even maybe realized she was. So it's like, in a way, even though it's a sad situation, how the story sort of unfolds throughout the show, um, they both end up learning a lot about themselves. Um, and there are a lot of positive aspects in it for both of them. I also like that from Gia's side, when there is that conflict that you know, she's still doing everything she can to try and hold on to this friendship and to try and reconnect and still always showing up. But she still will say her piece, you know, she'll literally be standing there holding an empty coffee cup that Erica's handed her, and but also call out, you're making me hold your trash right now, but I'm still here for you as a friend. Um, and so was it important to you to really find that middle ground of, you know, she's still showing up, but it doesn't mean that she's naive. She's still, you know, she still has a voice in this conversation between the two of them. I do think it's important. I, I think they did a good job kind of writing that balance in there as well. Um, because I mean, I'm not gonna lie, having watched the show now at this point, sometimes I'm like, come on, stand up for yourself a little more. She's not being nice to you. Like, come on, like yell at her a little bit. She needs it. But um, I, I do think that they found a good balance of not just having Gia feel like a total pushover when it comes to Erica. Um, but there is a good balance of, you know, standing up for yourself, but also, uh, walking through the situation in a way that Gia will kind of have the end result that she wants. Um, Cause I think if she pushed back too hard on Erica, I think she knows that Erica would never speak to her again at that point. Like that's the kind of balance that they have there. Um, and that's obviously not what Gia wanted. Um, so it's hard. It definitely is hard because they have Erica saying some pretty mean things. They, they make her pretty rough. She's really mean in, in the series. So um, I think it's hard to, find the balance of wanting her to be there for Erica still, but like 
wanting her to fight back a little bit because she's not a she's not a total doormat so uh they did a good job writing that in but it's a hard balance to find but poor lana was always so sad every time we had to film scenes where she was so mean to me she'd be like i'm so sorry and she'd be giving me hugs she always felt so bad (laughs) i mean one moment where g in particular definitely pushes back is when they end up having that really scrappy fight in the middle of the mud at the side of the road and that was it was such a great sequence because it's so personal for both of them in that moment and that really comes across in the the delivery of the dialogue and then it's also just physically scrappy in that way where you have you kind of you have to have that level of comfort with someone to be scrappy like that um and so how did the two of you find what the dynamic of that particular scene was going to be, both in terms of the dialogue and then also just, you know, what are these two girls like when they're physically fighting each other in the mud? Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, first of all, that was by far my favorite scene to film of the entire show. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was so much fun. Lana was miserable. She hated wrestling in the mud. And I think I loved it so much because I was just thriving off of how miserable she was because I thought it was hilarious. Um, so that was great. Just first off, I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Um, dialogue of the show of the scene wise it it was I mean difficult as well because we're doing all this physical stuff we're both rambling a million miles a minute just like getting all of the timing of that right and everything was difficult for both of us um but you know obviously we were able to manage it was super high energy so much stuff going on um in terms of the physicality of the scene we obviously had stunt doubles for a lot of like the really crazy stuff that they were doing um but I think we added some funny stuff because you know even you know, I'm calling back to the beginning of the show when they're like on the baseball field and they're both just like way in the back, not giving a crap because neither of them want to be in gym class. And they're both probably the most unathletic people on the planet Earth because I feel like that's how they would be. Um, So I I think it's funny even when, you know, Erica's running into the woods and she's like, dead leg, dead leg. And they're both like so awkward. You can tell that neither of them participate in physical activity other than this one moment. Um, And I thought that was something funny that we kind of figured to do because they're both just so awkward and so much of their physicality uh, that it would be funny to bring that aspect into that scene as well. And and also in speaking about things that that they don't do all the time, you know, a lot of the the journey that the two of them are going on together is just trying to push themselves outside of their comfort zones. And you know, I love that detail of when they're walking up to a house party with all of their classmates in their year that they've never done that, and so they literally don't know. Okay, the party says it starts <laughs> at nine. No one's coming till ten thirty, but they don't even know if they should just walk in the door or if they should ring the doorbell when they first get there. And so, how how did you find those little details, both with the script? And, and kind of in between the scripted moments that, that give you that of what's her worldview as a character? What are the things that she knows from her experiences and what are the things that she's probably never experienced or participated in before? You know, I feel like there's probably a million things that she hasn't done. I think like even when they're at the party and people aren't showing up and they're like, oh, you know, we still have time to just go home and watch the great pottery throwdown. I think, you know, I think her and Erica's relationship has been very much centered on, you know, watching TV in the house and having dinner together. And that's pretty much it. Um, I think that seems to be kind of what their friendship consists mostly of getting coffee. It's like all of the the very simple things. Um, So that's why I think, you know, going to the party, going to prom, you know, when Erica gets invited to the prom proposal, they're both like losing their minds over the fact that uh, they're even possibly getting invited to things like that. and I, I thought that was a really funny aspect. And one of my favorite things is um, the scene where Lana is making a drink and uh, it's grenadine. And the both of them think that they've been getting drunk off of grenadine. And I, I, I just thought that was so funny. It's so many things that they put in that like these characters are just so absolutely clueless to anything that like people their age 
would be doing or would be normal. Um, and I thought that was really cute. And it also makes the character seem really endearing as well, because they're just like, have no idea what's going on. <laughs> And with how much of their friendship, like you said, is is also based around watching TV shows, watching movies, that's also a facet of the, of the storyline in terms of when they're trying to figure out, okay, you're now potentially a ghost, what does that mean? Their immediate reference point is to like watch Ghost and look at the Sixth Sense and all of that sort of thing. But, okay. but to, to the show's point, every single movie and every single TV show has different rules about what it means to be a ghost, what it means to be undead in different ways. Um, and so did, did you all have conversations a little bit, both in terms of, of popular culture, but the show specifically to figure out what are the rules of that going to be for this series? You know, obviously you have things like the electricity and the coldness, but there's other things that come into play throughout the series. Yeah, you know, that wasn't necessarily stuff conversation wise that I was involved in that would have been kind of, you know, a lot of stuff that I know Lana was more involved in and the writers kind of, I mean, obviously the script is, you know, always changing throughout the whole time filming, we'll get different drafts, like every week of things changing in the script, you know, as we're going along, but um you know, I, it's interesting. They did, like you said, they did do some of the more stereotypical things, the electricity wavering, you know, all of that. I, th I thought the the plot line of her and everyone starting to wear AirPods because she did that. I thought that was something funny that they had added into uh, the story. Um, but I loved that they touched on us doing all the research and how everything is always so different depending on every movie and show. And it's kind of like, you know, like some self-aware comedy happening because that's exactly what the show is doing is picking what their ghost rules are while talking about that movies and TV pick all their own rules. So I, I thought that was a creative way of kind of putting that into the plot. Um, and I really also love some of my favorite characters in the show are the afterlifers and their whole group. So um, using them as a way to give the information um, I thought was super funny because they're some of my favorite characters in the whole show. It's such a great plot device to bring that whole group in in because it allows you to explain things in a certain way. And yeah. um, you know, one, one of the other areas of, of Gia's life as well is her home life. And that's that's another thing, kind of going back to what you were saying about how the script would, would give you all these details because her mom's not around. Her mom's on, I think, a teaching sabbatical. So she's gone for a few months. And so Gia is a character that has a lot of independence in her home life. Um, how, how did you kind of want to concoct or, or shape what does it look like when she goes home at the end of the night when it's just her in that space? And, and also kind of, again, going back to the friendship, you know, for you, did that also highlight even more elements of why this friendship was was such an important facet to her? Because she doesn't have a parental figure that that's there at the end of the day at the moment. Yeah, I think it is so important. I mean, they they don't touch on her family life so much. I, I think you know, I can't really answer to why that is. I I would imagine it's because if they brought in the aspect of Gia's family, that would be a whole eight episodes in itself to deal with her having to tell her family that she's died. Um, so I that's I can imagine that's part of it. It would be such a huge kind of box to open um, from that aspect. Also in the fact of giving away that it's me would be if my family's involved because you've got Erica saying goodbye to her family and all those things as well. Um, but, you know, they touch on it a little bit kind of at the Winter Wonderland party when she goes to send the text to her mom and, you know, it doesn't go through. Um, so they, they put little bits in that are her clearly being like emotionally affected by her mom not being there and you kind of see her wanting to talk to her mom or have her family involved the more distant that Erica gets so I do think it's a big deal because it seems as though she spends most of her time at Erica's house eating dinner with Erica's family you know all of that stuff so um you know I can imagine the sense of even deeper loneliness to kind of lose what she views as like her only like 
real family member um, that she has in her life. So I think that would, you know, make it so much more difficult for her. Yeah, you know, and in, to in talking a little bit more as well about the spoilers towards the end with, with Gia, I mean, I'm already replaying so many moments from the show in my mind and, and how there were obvious details and clues there along the way. You know, even the, okay, you should wear these AirPods to control the electricity, but it's so that you don't look crazy talking to someone that no one else can see. Um, you know, and I imagine as well that that, that influenced a lot of dynamics in scenes because it's like you have to kind of be there as a presence with a lot of other characters but you can't have exchanges of eye contact or any sort of kind of like oh, yeah. physical touch or connection and so what were some of the most important rules or details that came into how you had to navigate through scenes and making sure that you were tapping into those very specific details all the while not giving it away to the audience early on yeah I mean that was something that was actually incredibly difficult which I think no one on the set really anticipated having to like you know not only for me and for Lana because that was the most interactions of like you know people who talked to me the most in the show um but for the entire cast having to just remind everyone all the time that if I'm in ensemble scenes that like because the only people that can look at me are uh you know Gavin, Tenzing, or uh or Lana they're the only people that can actually look at me in the show um so anytime in ensemble scenes we'd have to remind everyone that they can't look at me which is really difficult because I talk in a lot of the scenes that they can't see me um so it's it was very difficult to have to remind everyone of that and also little things that we'd remember even you know um anytime we'd be going in and out or in or out of like places we'd have to remember that Lana has to open the door for me in order to go through because I wouldn't be able to open the doors and stuff like that it's like all little things that you wouldn't think of if it wasn't a part of the plot but because it is you have to pay attention to all these little details um so that was actually quite difficult. I think more difficult than me and Lana would have expected when we had first started. The dialogue's quite interesting as, as well with what you were just saying, because you are still talking in those scenes and you are still part of the conversation. Um, and But like the rhythm and the pacing has to feel very natural that once we know that no one else could actually hear what she was saying, that it still works within the flow of the conversation of a scene to kind of like if you were to remove what she's saying. Um, and so were there any intricacies to figuring out the, the delivery of the dialogue and just the pacing alongside the rest of the cast in that regard? Or did it kind of flow very naturally because of the way it was written on the page? You know, I think there would be, you know, it would be for different scenes, it would change a little bit. Some I think were harder to pull off if it's a lot of characters talking really conversationally, it was be a little bit harder, um, you know, like in the scene in the like church basement with the new lifers, that was one I would say that was a little more difficult because I'm kind of feeding her what to say as she's saying it, but to have all of the timing of when Lana talks and when I talk and then when the people responding talk, um, that one was a little bit more difficult to make sure it all feels natural. Um, but we all kind of got used to it as it went along. A lot of mine would be just like little ad libs here and there in the scenes, especially if it was like group conversations or me kind of whispering what she should say and then she'll just kind of say it straight away. So it's almost like we had to be super in sync with, you know, me and Lana had to be super in sync in those scenes. Um, but they would go back and forth, like um, say in some of the scenes, like with the afterlifers, like the one in the cemetery where I'm with her and, and we're talking. Um, they would like do one take where I say the lines and then another take where I didn't say the lines and then we'd fill it in an ADR and post. So like they would do some where I don't talk at all and I just stand there and others where I would actually talk. So they would switch it up and I don't actually know which ones they ended up using, but um, they there's obviously some post-production reason as to why they did it that way that I'm sure makes a ton of sense. That goes over my head. I have no idea, but um, we would switch it up sometimes like that as well. 
And it also, there, there's also kind of the, the challenging aspects that are quite interesting in terms of the emotional landscape of your character as well, because she's dealing with and processing her own death whilst not being able to tell her best friend or anyone around and not being able to really communicate with anybody outside of that. Um, did you find that, that that kind of helped to, again, play to the emotional landscape of where that takes your character in terms of grieving both the, the struggles in this friendship, but also her own death and what she knows the inevitability of that is with the fact that she wasn't telling her and couldn't actually express it out loud. Yeah, it was actually something that was a bit of a hard balance to find. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, a lot of the more heartfelt dramatic beats in the show to kind of balance out the really funny parts of the show as well. Um, I am a big fan of that kind of dynamic that they brought into the show, but it was difficult wanting to play the emotional stuff, but it can't be so much that it's like, why is she so upset about this? The only thing that made it helpful is because she loves Erica so much um, you know, I think it could play for her to be very, very emotionally affected by it as well. So that is an aspect that I think made it a little bit easier to be able to play some of the emotion without giving it away. Um, you know, some of the scenes more in the beginning of the show where, you know, Gia's like, oh, are we going to, you know, take a nap? And she's like, no, I want to sleep alone, like all those kinds of things. And they wanted me to play into that of how sad that is, because it's more, it's, it's actually that I don't want to sleep alone and I need her, but she's kind of choosing what she wants to do and that's affecting me not only because oh I want to be there for my friend but because she needs her friend to be there for her um so I think it is a pretty heavy weight especially you know when Erica is doing a lot of mean things to her when she sees you know when Erica lies to her and is you know actually going out with Riley instead of you know helping her bring the ice to the body it's all things like that that would have such a worse impact when you wish you could tell them like I'm literally dead like please be here for me because I'm having an emotional breakdown um so I think it makes all of those mean things that Erica is doing just like so much worse it does and you know but but in terms of like the rekindling of that friendship and talking about the end of the final episode and the moment where Gia does finally ascend at the prom and you have Erica giving that speech in front of a room full of people, but really just talking directly to, to Gia at that point. Um, I was just interested in some of the intricacies and, and some of the things that you really wanted to bring to the foreground in the moment in a scene like that, because it is, you know, such a huge moment for your character. And, and like you were saying, since you love the emotional beats of the show so much, that really, you know, is kind of the biggest one for you as a character throughout the whole season. Yeah, you know, I, I love that scene. I think Lana did such a great job. Um, like you said, I think the aspect of it being like, you know, it's in a room with so many people, but it's one of the most intimate scenes of the whole show, uh, just because of the way that they wrote it and shot it and, you know, how Lana played it. Um, it was really, really great. Um, I I do, I, I particularly just like that scene a lot, um, how they had the two characters just so connecting and communicating even parts of it without words that you can just feel how much they love each other and it's a great kind of closure to the story that even with all of the horrible stuff that happened kind of in the middle of the show uh it gives you a great feeling of like oh you know Gia did it she like succeeded with what she wanted to do and I think everybody chanting her name and her being crowned the prom queen it's just like it's a really like heartwarming type of scene uh to see yeah, no, I really, really loved loved that conclusion to the series, and I'm excited to go back and watch some of the scenes and see all those details that you managed to to interlace without us all figuring it out along the way. So thank you so much for talking all about it. Really appreciate it, Zoe. Oh, well, thank you so much.